0: So session number three of this uh, God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, saying God says prophesy against the shepherds, and then showing us what good shepherding is, things we're to do, and we finished off that last session by saying that we uh, we are to uh, do certain things, take care of the sheep, we're to uh, strengthen them, bind them up, tend for them, give them good pastures, etc., etc. But part of that is also by modeling. We take care of these things that need to be done is by modeling team and teamwork. Servant-hearted leadership with authority and grace that teach truth, but graciously. Just a reminder of what team is before we look at this now, by modeling team. This is part of what we to do to care for God's sheep, to look after them, is to give them a good example. So just a reminder of what is team, teamwork and team spirit. Team is a company of workers, a side of players. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, there it is. It says this. Now what have I just said? Team is a company of workers, a side of players in a game, a company of workers. This is what the dictionary says of our team, a company of workers, workers, a group, a side of players, playing, participating, not spectators, participating, a side of players in a game. Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9 through to 12 says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for the work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm, alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's such a good scripture um, related to what what we mean when we're talking about team. And I want us to read also in Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. Just one verse there quickly. Mark 6 verse 7. It says this. Calling the twelve, Jesus calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. If two shall agree as touching anything here on earth, it shall be done of my Father in heaven. So team, a company of workers. God wants us to be a team. And then teamwork. Teamwork is unselfish cooperative work by a group acting as a unit. I want us to repeat that. Unselfish, unselfish cooperative work. By a group acting as a unit, it goes on to say there is no jealousy in teamwork. Team, God wants us to model team. Read Ephesians four sixteen. Read one Corinthians chapter twelve verses seventeen through to twenty. Read Numbers chapter eleven verses four to seven fourteen to seventeen. Can I repeat that? Ephesians 4:16 1 Corinthians 12 17 to 20 numbers 11 14 to seventeen. All of those scriptures show us what teamwork is working together and what is team spirit? It's that attitude of the individual which subordinates individual desire for the benefit of the group or the team and remember that a team is the whole church and then we have these other teams within the team, team of elders, team of deacons, and other teams. But it's the attitude of the individual which subordinates its individual desire for the benefit of the, whole, the, the group or team. So Jesus sent out his workers two by two. Team spirit, teamwork, modeling team were accountable to one another, And to a translocal team. That's team. It's protecting one another, not only being accountable, but protecting one another. Not taking advantage of, not attacking, not being divisive, but protecting. Team is doing what God gifted each one of us to do, to be, each one of us playing our own part not trying to make others like ourselves, not forcing people to be what they aren't and not trying to do everything by ourselves, but allowing each one in the team to be able to do what God has gifted them to do and to fulfill what God has called them to function as. Each one playing its own part, nobody holding back. But then also, we need to model team and model life as the church relates, as the team relates to apostolic ministry. So I want us to read a few scriptures in the book of Acts. Again, in Acts chapter 20, if you'd go there, Acts chapter 20. Just, just a few little scriptures You're not many. Acts 20, it says this in verse 30. Even from your own number, men will, uh, will arise and distort the truth and in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that I never stop warning each of you day and night. Now I commit you to God's grace and to the word of he, to, to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So Paul is speaking as an apostle to these, this group and showing them how apostolic team relates to church. If you go to verse 20, chapter 21, verse 1, he says, I, listen to this, this is how the church saw the apostolic team in their midst. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put to sea and sailed straight to cause. Now, as apostolic team members that's how we should feel that we've got to tear, tear ourselves away not just we want to get in and get out but the church needs to make it that that's how we feel make it easier for the apostolic team and then in the 15th chapter verse, sorry while we're in verse, chapter 21 to just go to the 17th verse it says this when we arrived at Jerusalem the brothers received us warmly When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The church at Jerusalem, with the apostles, the prophets, the elders, etc., received us warmly. Churches should receive apostolic ministry warmly. We should prepare the people for the team coming in and let them know, care for these people, pray for them, love them, be available to them, whatever the case may be. And if we could just go to Acts chapter 15, I feel like I'm not doing a really good job at this moment of this, but I hope that it's getting through to us. It says in verse 32 of Acts chapter 15, Judas and Silas themselves, who themselves were prophets, said many encouraging, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return those to those who had sent them. And uh, you could read on till verse right through to verse 41 how Paul says, let's go back and do these different things in the different churches. So we need the team to be coming in pretty regularly. If you read that sometime later, look at, let me read it to you. Paul says, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And verse 41 says, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Apostolic ministry strengthens the church. Now, the churches. So a couple of things I want to say to you here. Churches need to have generosity of spirit. They need to take what the apostolic prophetic team says, the translocal team says, what they say to them, take it seriously. We need to appreciate them. We need to pray for them. We need to make all of our resources available to them, to the translocal team as well, so that they can claim to the team that, sorry, that the team that they they claim to be accountable to. Make your people available. Like Paul was able to take Timothy from a church. Your finances, your buildings, your equipment, everything. Make it available to the translocal so that together we all work into all the world. So let's have a quick look at what it means to be prophetic in our teaching, our preaching, our pastoring, etc. Just a very quick, quick, brief thing when I look at the time. But can I say this? Ask God to help your preaching to have a prophetic edge to it. All your preaching. Every time you stand up to preach, I expect God to give me a prophetic edge so that there's the the creativity of the Holy Spirit brings to mind things that I haven't seen that have to do with the future, the blessing, that undo the past, fix up the present and give us hope into the future. A few chapters later in Ezekiel chapter 37, we've been looking at Ezekiel 34. Now we look at Ezekiel chapter 37 which I was reading this morning in my devotions. That's what made me just feel I'd like to prepare a message on this. This isn't the message. This is just a quick little summary of some things that I felt God highlights. But in Ezekiel 34, 37, God instructs the prophet again to prophesy. Now, we need to understand something. When you read through these prophetic books like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, etc., sometimes we get the impression that one message after the other just came all in a short period of time, but sometimes there was years between a message. They didn't just live, bum, 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 peppering the people with with prophetic messages. Uh, But he gives, I I, I was going to say something about that, but I'll leave it on, leave it for later. A few chapters later in Ezekiel, he instructs the prophet to prophesy to the dead, dry bones, to prophesy life, and while this refers to Israel, so much of the church today is dying, if not dead. Dead people in the church churches, surely, certainly. Almost any church will have some dying or dead people in it. Uh, so much of the church is like this. And then he says, prophesy to these bones. <laughs> now, if you read this, you see, I wish we could read it, But these bones are scattered. And they're dead. There's very little life, if any life left in them. They dry. They're needing the oil of the Holy Spirit. So many churches need that. Fresh visitation. New wine poured into the wineskins. The wineskins are dry. The bones are scattered. There's no relationships they needing what is in the New International talks about um, tendons. Ephesians 4 talks about ligaments, relationships that join us together. One bone here, one bone there. God says prophesy and as he prophesies, the bones start finding each other and they get joined together. Relationships begin to get developed. Prophesy, prophesy to the dead bones, prophesy to the dry bones, oil, prophesy relationships, ligaments, prophesy flesh. The Word becomes flesh and dwelling amongst us like it did with Jesus. John, I think it's John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They join together, skin covering it so that we can see what God's like. Skin and flesh, life. Because all of that comes together, but he needs to keep prophesying until his life enters in. And the life is the breath of God, the Spirit of God. And then later in Ezekiel chapter 37, from verse 15 onward, he says of these two, Ephraim and Israel, he says, I want to bring them together, two branches, and make them one in my hand. And that's what God wants, us to prophesy unity into the body of Christ, good relationships, life, skin, flesh, bones, oiled, new wine into the wineskins. So this is all part and parcel of what God wants us to be and to do. This can change our lives if we preach prophetically with an expectation of God bringing life, of God bringing relationships together again, of God where we're praying and prophesying before we get into the pulpits and then after we get out of the pulpits. I remember when I first came to Christ, I was, you often hear preachers saying, Lord, will you be the after preacher to what I've just preached? that we would keep praying, keep prophesying, even after we leave the pulpit. After, even, I do this on a morning, a daily morning uh, in my devotions, every morning, almost every morning. I want to say every morning, but just to be make sure I'm being honest. I, I ask God, God bless all those people, all those messages I've preached all those months and years ago, people that are listening to them on, to the, on the internet, that they'd still be refreshed, still be blessed, still... I'm prophesying to dead bones and dry bones and bones that are starting to come together and flesh that's beginning to appear and skin and all the breath of God. Prophesy afterwards. Keep prophesying. Keep praying. Keep prophesying. Keep praying. Well, folks, to bring this to a close for this session, and I want to come back hopefully in another session and uh, just look at what God has restored prophetically to the church that we may not be walking. And remember when I said uh, it gives us hindsight to be prophetic, hindsight, what God did and maybe what we're not living in today. I want to preach a message on that, hopefully the next message I do. Uh, But until then, can I just say this? God's giving us, and I don't say this threateningly, I say this lovingly, God's giving all of us that are under the sound of this message, He's giving us a warning. Time's running out. The clock's ticking. He wants us to take care of His sheep. And this is a wake up call. And so God invites us. He is so good. He invites us to respond to His amazing all nations call. It's a privilege, it's an honor. Do it, and I can guarantee this. Do it God's way, and you won't be sorry. I have loved serving God. I've loved seeing churches planted. I've loved seeing expansion. I've loved seeing growth. I've loved seeing fruitfulness. I've loved seeing people that I've touched in the smallest way becoming grateful for God and as God honors them, lifts them up, and uses them, and gives them so much more than I have had. May God bless you. Rise up. It's a privilege. Do it. You won't be sorry. Father, again, it's a privilege to preach, and it's a privilege to pray for, and it's a privilege to commit these people to you. And I prophesy blessing. I prophesy life. I prophesy good, healthy relationships. I prophesy all that they need, resources, friends, apostolic team functioning in their churches, growth fruit that lasts and lasts into eternity your blessing upon them their families them as individuals their futures their past and their present in Jesus name Jesus you're so good to us we worship and we praise and we magnify your precious and holy name thank you for this privilege and this invitation to care for your sheep and we ask it in your name of the father with the aid help an impact of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless.